It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, family. I, of course, am your host, Tanitra Batiste, but I have a special guest and friend to the show with me today. I can give her all the kudos in the world because, of course, she's my friend. She's an amazing person, but let's take that and that's just put that to the side because you know what else she is? She is the NSMA Georgia Broadcaster of the Year finalist. She is anchor and reporter extraordinaire for 11 Alive and all of that. Miss Maria Martin, that's the beautiful lady you see sitting right next to me, beauty and brilliance, of course. She is joining us today for ATL Day Ones. And I'm going to toss out the question to her a little bit later. Maria, they got one dub, but is that enough to work on a run and? Is it do or die for the folks in Flowery Branch? And finally, we are going to do it for the culture rapid fire with Rhea. So stick around because it's going to be a fun ride today. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hey, everybody, we appreciate you stopping by ATL Day Ones, which is sponsored by Bet Online and powered by you, our Locked On Sports Atlanta network of over 5,000 subscribers. Keep hitting that subscribe button. We definitely appreciate you guys. And you know what else we appreciate? When the Hawks can wrap up a quick road trip with a dub. You know, Maria, they avoided their first four-game losing streak of this season, got that 125-108 win against the Magic in Orlando last night. And for me, it was just exciting to see them go through a 48-minute stretch of good, solid basketball at both ends of the court. So I wanted to know when you took a look at it, kind of sat back and analyzed it, kind of now we've had about 24 hours to decompress, what encouraged you to say, hey, look, Trey Young said after that Sixers loss, all it takes is one for us to get back on track. What makes you think, if you actually think that as well, that this one game can indeed get the Hawks back on track? Well, you know, Trey is right. This is a team that has been able to have some of those games string together. And basketball is all about runs, as we talk about all the time. And they have had momentum in the past. And I really went into the Magic game thinking, if they don't win this game, I'm going to be really concerned because everybody knows that the Orlando Magic is struggling a whole lot. So for them to get in, it was more of a get-right game for me. And I felt like they did that, even though they came out with a couple of injuries, which are Mm -hmm. concerning. I know we'll talk about that. I think it was good to see everybody playing good basketball for the whole stretch of the game game. However, I am still concerned with the perimeter shooting of this team and everybody keeps saying that. I mean, I know Bogey is starting to get a little bit more healthy. We're waiting for him to get back. He could get back here in the near future, but Trey was 2 of 11, which was super uncharacteristic and it's continued to be uncharacteristic for him. He's typically a really good three-point shooter, but he's had some other elements of his game step up. He's been really good in assists and defensively. I thought he's looked better this year than he did last year, so I thought it was encouraging and they're going to need it because they've got a tough stretch coming up. And you are absolutely right. That's still the number that kind of stands out when you look at Trey's three-point percentage this season so far. But like you said, I will take that because, A, we're only a quarter of the season in, so I'm still hopeful and encouraged. B, you make a great point. Bogdan Bogdanovich is on his way back. Landry Fields said that, and he even got upgraded, if you will, to doubtful on last night's injury report, which was great. And then you see one of the stat lines that I think has been very much improved as the season is worn on, even just through 20 
games, and that's uh, Trey's turnover number. We're talking about keeping it at about two, three, four these last three games, whereas Maria, we were upticking sometimes four and five in a quarter to start the season as, like you said, he started to really gel and uh, get comfortable in the backcourt with DeJounte Murray. And what I am hopeful about, I hope this trend stays as well, is seeing some of those bench players step up. So when I see A.J. Griffin hit three of six, that for me is encouraging. That I, I, And I love for him that he was also great from the field, six of 12. But when we see you hit on the three and we see you hit from the perimeter, that at least tells us, hey, there's another guy out there who not only is willing to shoot that shot, but is able to actually make something happen. So I think you make a great point there. But yeah, you look at it and you say, hey, now that we've gotten that little tune up, now it's going to be showtime because this is really that first iteration for the Hawks where they're going to go into a very tough stretch of games. These next six, you're talking Nuggets, Nets, you're talking Grizzlies. And OK, Maria, keep it real. Not saying the Net Knicks are great by any stretch of the imagination, but we do know that the Knicks pose problems just because they've kind of become a little bit of a rival, for lack of a better term, uh, with the Hawks. And of course, the Hawks are going up to uh, New York to take on the Knicks. But yeah, you look at that six game stretch. Uh, especially it's right before they see the magic again, oddly enough. And I'm just thinking to myself, one of the things that I want to see them do is at least come from that six game stretch, come out five at 500, at least three and three. But more importantly, I want to see how they're looking against those teams because they pose some very interesting matchups, especially in the front court. Uh, for when you talk about the Nuggets matchup, for example, and even when you talk to some degree about the Knicks matchup, and then the Grizzlies pose a challenge more so from the backcourt perspective. So do you think this is an opportunity where maybe, especially like you said, because we know that John Collins went down, rolled that ankle last night, we hope that it's just that they're having an MRI done with him today. DeAndre comes in with the the, uh, thigh soreness, and that's something that was really bothering him before the game. Can they get on that kind of roll and maybe get that 300, or excuse me, that 500 mark with those two guys out of the lineup? I think it's going to be really tough if I'm being totally honest. And, you know, we've seen them go through tough stretches in the schedule, especially early on, even though we're still early in the season. We saw that tough stretch where they were facing a bunch of conference leading teams and they fared pretty well in that stretch. And the only difference was John Collins was super healthy and they had DeAndre Hunter heating up at the time. So if those two can't play, I am going to be really concerned. Now, again, we talked about a little bit earlier, Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to be hopefully sneaking back to this team, which I hope will help them when it comes to the perimeter shooting. But you're going to miss some pretty big presences, especially inside with John Collins. I mean, Clint Capella, though, has been surprising, which has been really fun, especially when you talk about what he did in Orlando. That was cool to watch. But you're, you're going to need, kind of back to your point when it comes to the bench, you're going to need a lot of those guys to play really consistently. And against some of these teams that they're facing, I think it's going to be really tough. The only good news is they are really young into the season and Mm -hmm. people might want to start thinking about John Collins, not even being a part of the Hawks. That could be a possibility. So when you talk about him being absent, maybe get used to it, not being a thing. Obviously they'll get players in return if he is traded, but Mm -hmm. maybe we should start talking about and thinking about John not being a part of this team. However, that's not your reality right now. So I don't know. I think it's going to be really tough if they can't go. Yeah, it's interesting because I, if I had to choose, and we, I was kind of having this conversation earlier in the week about Falcons, and of course we'll talk Falcons a little bit later, and we had this conversation last week as well, sort of when you get two key players that are out in the case of the Falcons, it's Kyle Pitts, Taquan Graham, in the yeah. case here, it's JC and Dre, like who's the guy that you'll miss the most if you had to choose, and I say Dre, because he's that guy who gives you that presence on the wing 
from a defender's perspective, he really gets out there and gets after it. And I always feel like, Maria, when DeAndre Hunter has something like an 18, 20-point type game and we can get him in the range of like six to eight rebounds, that to me always bodes well for the Hawks. And I do think that while we saw, okay, admittedly, Anyeka Okongu may not quite be ready for primetime as far as a start at the five goes, but if he gets Clint Capella to do his thing at the five and you can kind of put Anyeka Okongu in there at the four, even if he's a starter at the four, I feel like he can be a little bit more effective there. And I agree with you. I know that we all will agree that with this as well. We all like John Collins as a person, but we also all know that that may not quite be the fit for going forward. So sometimes, sometimes, like you said, you see when someone's out, let's see how the pieces fall into place. Let's see what an A.J. Griffin can do. Let's see what a Jalen Johnson can do and kind of how those guys can step up as Nate McMillan has started to give some of his younger players or his rookie minutes. And let's see if that can help. And I also hope this, when you kind of look down the depth chart for most of the teams that they're going to be playing, the Hawks actually have a solid, a more solid bench than most of those teams. So this will also be an opportunity for the Hawks to show that that depth that we've always talked about, that we know that they're known for, can actually step up and give them something. And again, their first kind of murderer's row or death row stretch of this season. Now, speaking of giving us an opportunity to see a stretch, well, now we know that CFP officials were informed Wednesday that the Rose Bowl folks came around, Maria. They signed an agreement that says they will allow the college football playoff to indeed expand to 12 teams in 2024 and 25, which is earlier than what they thought, which was going to be 2026, primarily because the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl and some of the other bowls were not, they were not amenable initially, now are amenable to restructuring the formats to kind of clear the way for that. We both know that conversation had been happening even before 2014 when the college football playoff was instituted. So now here we are. We have finally gotten away from the final four. We'll be getting away from the final four, moving to the top 12. Good or bad for college football? What do you think? Ah, that's a loaded question because I've got a lot of feelings when it comes to this, and I can talk a lot more than I have a lot of time for. I, I think 12 teams could prove to be too many. Um, I understand why they extended. I think in the long run, it's going to be good for college football. We've mm -hmm. seen what an expansion to a playoff does for different leagues um, around the country and in sports. So I think it will be good, but there are some negatives. I mean, there's positives and negatives to every scenario, and that's why they expanded because mm -hmm. some people like the four teams. I think most people. People thought it should be more than four teams. I'm sure, of the sure. belief as well. But 12 is a whole lot to yeah. jump from four to 12. That's a lot. I mean, the good news is you're going to get home playoff games now, which is super exciting. I had yeah, people totally. tweeting at me initially, Georgia fans specifically saying, oh, great. We just get to go to Athens. So they're already planning their postseason trips in 2025 to Athens. Uh, you know, I, I think what's good is there are going to be teams that have been left out in the past that do get the opportunity to play. Um, you know, there's been so much parity. There's always somebody left out when there's four teams. So now you are going to get those conference champions that have been left out in the past that do get an opportunity to play in the postseason. So I think that's really good for college football. I do think you're going to continue to see those same people at the top, the Alabamas, the Georgias. Yeah. I, I, I think that's still going to happen. Uh, however, it does give other people an opportunity for an upset, which we've seen before. You're going to be fighting for the buy, the first round yeah. buy. So there are a lot of things to fight for. I think in the long run, it's good for college football, but I don't think people truly grasp how many 
teams and how many games that is, it's starting starting to look a little bit more like an NFL format. Um, mm -hmm. The NFL obviously used to have 12 playoff games. Now they have four or teams. Now they have more than that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think that's a long-winded answer for me to say. Yeah, yeah. I think in the long run, it's good for college football. But initially, I think people are going to be uh, really shocked to realize that it's a lot more biting off more than they can chew, I think, in the beginning. Oh, I agree with you. My, that was my first thought as well. Like, wow, a leap from four to 12. In my mind, I always saw the leap going to six, maybe, or sure. eight, however, you know, that would play itself out. But I thought there was going to be more of a progression to 12. And listen, 2023 is next season for all intents and purposes. And so before you blink, it'll be 2024, 2025, and they're oh, yeah. rocking and rolling. And I thought, like you said, it was, there are some iterations, and that's probably the number one thing I like. Sometimes there are moments where you feel like, okay, is that team taking their foot off the gas? Because, hey, you already know, for example, you've won the SEC East. So, I mean, if you don't have that moment that as motivation, do you take your foot off the gas, if you will? But if you know that you've got to keep your foot on the gas in order to get that conference championship so you can get that by, that may make for even better football. And that takes nothing away from the SEC because I feel like that competition remains high level. But there may be some other conferences where, hey, that's going to be important for you. Now, it may have a downside that, hey, doesn't have anything to do with you, you and I because we most, mostly watch and cover the SEC. But you think about a team like Notre Dame, like, hmm, What's this going to mean for you as an independent should you remain an independent you know through that time frame but i do think it's going to get a little bit more complicated and dare i say convoluted in the beginning when you're going to 12 so quickly so definitely think we'll be watching this but i am excited that finally we can at least stop the conversation put it on pause of do we need an expansion do we not need an expansion are we good with the four or do we need more okay well we have at least stop that conversation or put it on pause for a second. But what we have not put on pause is the conversation about bet online because we've got two big games coming up this weekend, right? We've got Georgia and LSU. And yes, we do know that that's a double digit underdog for LSU. But if you want to know if that line moves at all, go to betonline.net because that's where you can get all your sports betting info. Now, as far as the line for Falcon Steelers, it's still Falcons by one. The over-under is still 42. But as we get more information about who is and isn't playing on Sunday, that could dictate how things go as well. So again, if you want any information on the major sports, even the minor sports or those niche sports like golf, check out betonline.net because that is where the game begins. You guys, you watch our podcast here on ATL Day Ones and so many other podcasts along the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network. Don't forget to check out podcasts for Bet Online as well because if you're like me and you're a bit of a novice, somebody's got to tell you how and who to bet on. So speaking of the Falcons and kind of them getting ready for the Steelers. It's so crazy, Maria, because you and I have covered the Falcons for years. So we kind of know when certain teams come to town, no matter what the record looks like, it's all about, hey, what is that stadium going to look like? What is the Benz going to look like for the Falcons on Sunday? Especially because this game is actually very critical. Somehow, Maria, some way, the Falcons are still in it for the possibility of the winning the NFC South because, dang it, nobody wants to win it. I thought this was interesting. A comment that was made yesterday, and we'll, hopefully we'll get you some sound for that. You know, we have uh, Media Wednesday when the players come back, coaches come back, and of course we typically get to speak with Marcus Mariota as QB1. So he was asked the question of whether or not he thought this game was a must win. I want you to take a listen and then give me your thoughts on if you thought he was saying that this was a must win for the Falcons, for himself, or for both. 
especially playing meaningful football in December. These situations don't come around very often. To be able to progress and to be able to team that's consistently playing games like this, you got to play with a little bit of urgency. Yeah, I mean, look, I think those comments are very interesting by Marcus. I think ever since the beginning of the year, we've been talking about this as a new opportunity for Marcus. And, and everyone's been saying, look, this is his opportunity to prove he belongs in the NFL. And to me, yeah. I always thought that this was his last opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes nothing away from the fact that we love Marcus. We think he's an awesome individual, but he mm-hmm. has struggled as the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. And I totally am riding with Arthur Smith on the decision to keep him as the quarterback. Yeah. I know that is the hot topic. And I know Falcons fans want to see Desmond Ritter. And I understand that. However, when you're still in the hunt, some way, somehow of winning the division, I think you ride with the quarterback that you started with. However, I think a little bit of that was maybe talking to himself. I I think there was a smidgen of that where he's like a smidgen of word. I don't know. I think that he is probably talking to himself and saying, Marcus, this is your last opportunity. You have to play with some urgency. And not that he hasn't played with urgency because I do believe he has. But he still hasn't proven to us that he believes in himself enough and belongs in the NFL. So, look, I, I don't know. I, I do hear a little bit of that in there. Um, but still, this is a must-win game for the Falcons, in my opinion. And I really thought last week was a must-win as well. But somehow, some way, everything kind of fell in their way to where they're still in the hunt for the NFC South. And that's just because of what happened with Tampa and what happened mm-hmm. with New Orleans. So it's not necessarily just the Falcons. A couple right. things had to shake out their way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look, uh, Mariota's got to step up. He has to play with urgency. This is an opportunity where they can. And we'll see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, we will see. And I agree with you. I thought last week felt like a must-win game. But then again, they were given a Falcons were given a reprieve thanks to the Bucks. And so now here we are again, and it's a must-win game. I also heard a little bit in his voice of something in the back of his head that kind of came out in that that uh, that answer that said, hey, I know it's kind of must-win for me as well. Yeah, because if you by yeah. chance lose this game, let's go worst case scenario, because we know it's been a topic of conversation from week one. Worst case scenario, the Falcons do lose, and then the Bucks they win. And the Falcons, of course, are going on a bye. So the Bucks win again. And then all of a sudden the Saints win because they're kind of on the heels of the Falcons and Bucks, even with their swooning in and out this season. And so if you are now on the other side of that bye, and for whatever reason you're about mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, is that where finally the conversation turns to Desmond Ritter when we say, okay, time to take a look at our QB2 to see if we need to put him in as QB1 so that we can determine on the backside of this season whether or not there is a quarterback in this upcoming draft that we need to go after because we don't see our guy. A little bit different from the Steelers, right? Because on some level, they're kind of mirroring one another, but on another level, they're not because Mitch Trubisky more than gave the job to Kenny Pickett. I say that with all full disclosure, I'm a Steelers fan, just saying. But, uh, you know, their situation was different because Trubisky kind of gave it to him. And once Pickett kind of shook off some of the, the rust and some of the nerves, if you will, he's been solid. Desmond Ritter hasn't had an opportunity, but Maria, you've been there the entire season. You've been there through training camp. And like you said, this has been the right decision to keep Marcus Mariota where he is for obvious reasons, because you know what Ritter is capable of. And obviously uh, they know what he's capable of or maybe not capable of. But I do think that this game is going to be a proving ground, not just for the Falcons to kind of uh, keep their playoff hopes alive because the only way they're probably going to get in is as a division winner. But this is also Marcus Mariota's time. And Maria, you called it best. 
not just his time to prove that he should still be QB1 for the Falcons, but this could be his final opportunity to prove that he should still be a player, a starter, even maybe a backup in this league at this point in his career at the age of 30 now. That's a hot topic here in Atlanta, right? But across the league, there are so many intriguing and interesting storylines, right? So we're not, the NFC South is not the only division where there are two or three teams who are buying for big time things. There's Deshaun Watson coming back. Of course, we know he's an Atlanta Metro native. What's that Browns Texans game going to look like this weekend? You want to hear about it? Go to Locked On Sports today, just like you guys stopped by ATL Day Ones for all your great news for the Atlanta sports landscape. Check it out there as well. They talk about the biggest stories of the day. They give reaction as well. So they've got it all wrapped up right there for you. And just like we have for the culture here in ATL Day Ones, they've got take of the day. That's sort of their version of a hot take story. So whenever you go to download us, wherever you download your podcasts, or if you go to the Odyssey app or even YouTube, after you check out ATL Day Ones, especially when you give we give you guys great guests like Maria Martin, don't forget to check out Locked On Sports today. It's such a cool ride. And because we're a part of the Tegna family, you never know when you might see her or when you might see me pull up to sports, Locked On Sports today as well. Now, the other thing I was thinking about is this. It's very interesting because, as we know, last week, uh, the run defense was a little bit challenged for the Falcons in that they gave up 172 yards to the commanders, essentially they're running back by committee, although Brian Robinson kind of led the way. Well, you could see the same thing this week as well, because Najee Harris is hurt, but he doesn't have a major injury. But Benny Snell and company did a fine job against the Colts Monday night, exact same uh, outcome, 172 yards. So the run defense is going to be tasked and challenged again for the Falcons. And so my question to you is this, do you feel like with what the run defense and Dean P saw last week, there's an opportunity or even a possibility for the Falcons to have kind of gone back into, into the toolkit to say, hey, we want to make sure that we don't let the run stop us. We're going to make Kenny Pickett win this game this Sunday. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can always count on that. And especially the theme that I go back to with the NFL this season is any given Sunday, baby. I mean, that is literally what it is. And and when you look at the Steelers and Falcons in the past, in history, it tells you that it doesn't really matter what's going on when you look at the statistics and the stack sheet. This game has always been kind of wonky. And I think this is a really good opportunity for the Falcons, especially the defense who we've ragged on all season long. And, and for good reason, literally in run defense, pass defense, total defense, they are near the bottom of the NFL. It if not very last in every statistical category. However, you have some of the guys on the defense, especially in the mm -hmm. secondary trending upwards. Yes. This late in the season is a really positive thing. Arnold mm -hmm. Epichetti would be the first one that comes to mind. I mean, yes. you have to force Kenny Pickett to throw the ball this week. That's what you have to do. And you can't let them... This has been the theme with the Falcons every single week. You cannot let other teams beat you at your own game. And that is exactly what the commanders did. That's exactly what they need to make sure that the Steelers do not do. So I think it is possible that Dean Pease can go back into the toolkit and hopefully restructure some things to make sure that you're forcing Kenny to be uncomfortable. Uh, this is a team that doesn't blitz very often. The Falcons, um, they do not do that very often at all. Their pass rush has been mm -hmm. really interesting too. So I don't know. The Steelers, I never believe in them. Um, that's, that's me being nice. I never... I never, I never believe that they can win the ball game for the Falcons. However, I do think 
parts of the defense or tra trajectory, their trajectory is going upwards. So it's possible, but uh, still, I think that's my biggest area of concern with this team. All things with Marcus Mariota aside, I still mm -hmm. think the defense is my biggest worry every Sunday. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that as well, because when it comes down to it, the one thing that the Steelers were able to do against the Colts and the commanders were able to do against the Falcons, like you said, is one play here, one play there. They beat the Colts at their own game, and then the commanders did the same to the Falcons. But I do like the fact that A.J. Terrell is back there. That's always like, I don't know, it's almost like our little uh, comfort, our security blanket in the secondary. So like you said, if we can just get a play here, a play there, Lorenzo Carter, if we can just get some some players to just kind of step up, and as, as I always say, obviously you're not going to have TQ, but can anybody give Grady Jarrett some help? Because if Grady can get just a little bit of help up front and at least keep the Steelers' offensive line honest, then there's an opportunity for somebody to bring pressure, even if it's not getting home completely and sacking Pickett, just rattle him enough, get his timing off, because if he can't get to his biggest threat, George Pickens, his biggest threat down the field, then that really is limiting the Steelers game. And that's kind of limiting what Mike Tomlin and company are able to do. So yeah, somebody, I feel like Dean Pease definitely is a master at scheming for the personnel that he has. Yeah. He probably finds himself back in a situation like last season where he doesn't have the personnel that he kind of needs, but that also means every man has to step up. If the Falcons are going to win this game to your point, it could come down once again to one play. So somebody has to be prepared. And I think it's going to be on defense. Somebody needs to be prepared like we've seen earlier in the year, like a Richie Grant or a Jalen Hawkins or whomever that person is going to be to step up and make sure that if this comes down to that final play, that final possession, the Falcons walk away from the bins as winners. But in case they do not, Maria, you know what? They can go to built.com and get themselves some built bars because they're probably going to need to drown their sorrows somehow. And what better way to drown your sorrows than with real chocolate, right? <laughs> so built bars, you know, built bars, it's interesting because if you are a chocolate person or you like cookie dough puffs like we liked back in the day when we were little kids, then it's the perfect snack for you because it's the one snack where you've got 100% real chocolate and you don't have any more than 160 grams of fat, but you get 15 grams of protein. And that just makes that bar that much more soluble. So like I said, if you are sitting there or you think you're going to be sitting there stressed out Sunday, trying to figure out if the Falcons are going to win or lose that game, or if you're stressed out, like sometimes Maria and I get like a little bit triggered because we've got to make our way to the bins or a flowery branch, or we've got to make our way to State Farm Arena in crazy, crazy traffic here in Atlanta, get yourself a built bar and it just makes the whole world better. So Go to built.com, you plug in the code locked on 15, and you are going to get 15% off your first order. And you should drop us a comment and let us know what you think about built bars because, hey, we absolutely love it on this show. Now, speaking of things we love, we absolutely love to see it when someone makes a pivot, right? When someone just keeps doing things that are unique and exciting, like Michael Vick. So, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed.
Michael Vick is actually doing a docu-series. I believe it's an eight-part series. And it's basically going to take us through the evolution. He's an exec executive producer, by the way. And it's going to take us through the evolution of the African-American quarterback in the American football landscape. It's something that's going to feature him having conversations with prominent players, former coaches, former quarterbacks from the past to the present, and really kind of looking at how he has even been a part of that evolution process, if you will. And it's funny because, of course, he's a four-time pro bowler, played five seasons with the Eagles. Randall Cunningham was someone who was a revolutionary, and now we're kind of seeing Jalen Hurts in that space as well. But I just thought, what a cool concept to see Michael Vick kind of being the voice for that docuseries. Yeah, I'm really excited about this because, Tanitra, I think this is something that we don't talk about enough. And even though Michael Vick was not the first black quarterback to ever play in the NFL, he certainly revolutionized the position. And when you listen to him talk about this specific docuseries that's coming out, one of the things that just really sat with me is he said, you know, my whole life, people kept telling me I revolutionized the quarterback position for the African-American young student athlete or aspiring quarterback. And I, I think that's so true. What he did and the way that he played all things aside from off the football field, he was phenomenal. And I think it's really important that he's driving this conversation too, because there are so many specifically that played for the Eagles. And even now you're looking at Jalen Hurts, who is a guy that I covered whenever I was working in Alabama, he was playing for the University of Alabama. I love Jalen. I want him to do all great things in his life. So I think it's super exciting to not only just focus in on the black quarterback, but also how many of them have come through the Eagles and tons of other franchises that people tend to forget every Sunday whenever we're talking about quarterbacks and how they've changed the game. And just the way that Michael Vick played was so special. And it gave a lot of young kids hope too. And it totally changed. And I mean, look mm -hmm. at how many quarterbacks have come after Michael Vick. Of course, he's going to sit down with the ones that came before him. You mm -hmm. said Randall Cunningham is one of them. Um, but even the people that have come after him, it's yeah. phenomenal how many have really just revolutionized the position. I think it's an important conversation. Mm -hmm. I don't think we have it enough. I don't think we talk about the former great black quarterbacks enough and even the ones that are coming up now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's awesome. I, good on Michael Vick for continuing the conversation. He's yeah. done a lot of really good things in commentating and he's kind mm -hmm. of rewritten, rewritten his own story. So yeah. for him to kind of head this and be a part of the docuseries. I love it. I'm really excited to watch. Yeah, and you make a great point about the fact that if there's any guy who can talk about the evolution of anything, in this case, the evolution of the Black quarterback in professional football, but he as a human being having evolved himself, it's almost like those storylines just cannot match up any better, right? So yeah, it's really, really exciting. And you're right, people low-key don't know. He's a really good commentator, by the way. So if you haven't seen him with his commentary for Fox Sports, or if you haven't seen him sit down with other players, he is absolutely fantastic and he can get some great nuggets out of them. So yeah, that's definitely a docu-series that I'm excited to see. And like you said, kind of taking us back down memory lane of all of the African-American quarterbacks who brought us here to this point, because I absolutely love, uh, like you said, you had the opportunity to cover Jalen Hurts. I know some of the people who've grown up with him in the Houston, Texas area, and people just rave about him and how amazing he is going to be like, no, this is just scratching the surface. This guy's going to be amazing. But also uh, just having an opportunity, having covered the Bucks the year that Doug Williams was being um, inducted into their ring of honor. And, you know, he's one as well who just continued to like 
blaze trails and continues to blaze trail with the works work that he's doing with the commanders as well so yeah i am one who will be watching that docuseries now speaking of watch if you guys don't already follow us on social media you're bad but maria is a great follow that's why i'm saying that so you guys need to check her out on twitter as well as instagram but one of the reasons i mentioned that is because you know i'll check into instagram each and every day i kind of check out to see what maria does and some of our other friends here in atlanta metro um, on the sports scene right but I also follow both Sierra and Russell Wilson. So I happened to check literally last night before I wrapped up for the night. I wanted to see like what they put on their feeds. So they both kind of did this recap of Russell Wilson's birthday party that Sierra threw. It was like this big over-the-top bash. And from what I saw, Maria, it looked like it was amazing. Some of his closest friends in the league were there. And she did like this cute little dance. And then the kids did their video. I'm thinking everything's all gravy, right? Wake up this morning and find out there's controversy because apparently only half the Broncos team showed up for Russell's birthday party. So it made me think about two questions that I wanted to ask you. So number one, do you look at that more like that was glass half full or glass half empty as far as Russ goes with the Broncos? And number two, have you ever been that person who had like this amazing bash, like all planned out and yeah, the world didn't show up for it? Well, I think the first thing, and it's funny because you see on social media, you're talking about how, you know, you just think everything is good. And especially because Sierra is posting it and whatever, and it looks amazing. That just goes to tell you, like, nothing is ever as it seems, especially when it comes to social media. And maybe they didn't really think anything of it. But I think given the fact that half of the team didn't show up, and especially those that were invited, is a little weird. But I've always thought that it was kind of like that with Russ, because he's married to a superstar. They are different. I mean, if if you really want to be honest they they do kind of separate themselves just because of the way that they are and the stardom that they bring Mm -hmm. um maybe some of his teammates don't feel like he's very approachable I don't know I'm not his teammate so I don't know um I know that people have said in the past he is very different and Mm -hmm. distant I think is the right word so I think it's a little bit telling of just the way that social media portrays itself and maybe he didn't care I mean who knows you don't know if he cared or not but I think it probably is a little bit telling it's just funny that we have to talk about his birthday party honestly we're going to make something of anything. And I know I saw it all over the internet this morning. I was like, wait a second, there's controversy with Russell Wilson's birthday party. Why? The world we live in. I literally went to sleep last night. And that was one of the last stories that I checked out. And I wake up this morning and I'm like, how did this turn into a thing? Like, I didn't see it. But like you said, perfect example of how everybody's not the same. Okay, we are all not the same. Russell <laughs> Wilson and Sierra, that's a whole different story. And yes. looking at it, and don't get me wrong, Seattle, of course, was a little bit more like blue collar, for lack of a better term, than say if sure. he was playing in LA or New York. But Seattle had kind of gotten accustomed to him and his stardom and all of like, you know, the bright lights. Denver's a little bit of a different town. And I think that sort yeah. of that franchise, just because between that, that rookie coach and everything that they thought it was going to be that it's not, I do agree with you. I think there's just a little bit of a, uh, some distance maybe there just because of the cachet of who they are versus the cachet of who the Broncos are as a team and as a franchise. And like, to, yeah, and like, yeah, so like it's, it's very interesting. I'm going to watch this, but I will tell you this. I also said, and this is probably not going to sound nice, but do you think Russell Wilson gives a flying flip Sierra Sierra's his wife? The end. <laughs> He's no. got he he has signed a big old contract. So guess yeah. who's winning? Russell Wilson. So it is still a happy, happy birthday for that guy. Yeah. And a happy time here on ATL Day Ones. Why? Because hey, you guys see 
so much love for my girl, Maria Martin, whenever she comes in and subs in, whether it's for me or whether it's for Jarvis, who is in Utah right now, enjoying some time with the Tegna team. So appreciate you for stopping by. You know that I'm going to be pulling, not just for you, but for our girl, Allison Mastrangelo, however that works. Maybe there can be a tie. Maybe they can just be a tie. Oh, great. I love that. And if there is, I'm here for it. We're going to go out and we're going to celebrate. I'm going to claim it right away. So thank you so much for stopping by. And guys, anytime you have time on a Sunday night, you should be checking out Sports Extra because that's good stuff from Maria as well. And of course, don't forget to check out Locked On Sports today. That's an amazing, amazing look of a podcast for our Locked On Sports Network. And keep on coming back because we can't do this without you guys. And don't forget, drop some comments on us. We appreciate your feedback and whatever you do, be safe out there in those streets because, hey, we need you guys to come back tomorrow and find out what the preview is for Hawks Nuggets. And we're going to have a special guest from Lockdown Steelers to talk about keys to the game for Falcon Steelers. And, of course, we're going to tell you what we think about Go Tigers or Go Dogs. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.